Welcome to HII Talking Points, a Huntington Ingalls Industries podcast. Twice a quarter, we'll sit down with HII leaders to discuss topics of interest in our company and industry. My name is Phoebe Richards, and today I'm talking with Bill Ermatinger, HII Executive Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer, about the company's benefits and wellness strategy. Mr. Ermatinger, thank you for joining Talking Points. It's great to have you here. Well, thank you for having me here. Since HII spun, it has developed innovative benefits and wellness programs designed to help employees improve their health. And now we're seeing this expand beyond physical health. I'd like to talk a little today about the thought process behind these programs and where you see HIA in the future. So let's begin. Over the past few years, we've seen an increase in wellness programs, services, and offerings from the company. Can you talk a little about HII's strategy and long-term goals when it comes to benefits and wellness? Sure. So uh, in order to really uh, focus on our healthcare strategy, that is just one component of our overall human capital strategy. And that human capital strategy is really to support the business strategy. So in in a nutshell, from a human resources standpoint, it is our job to basically provide an engaged employee to the organization in the right job at the right time, the skills and abilities to do that job in a safe and secure manner. Sounds simple, but there's a lot of things that can go wrong with that. Um, But in short, what we try to do is make sure that every employee that shows up at HII uh, has an opportunity to do their best work. And clearly, if you are stress-free from any health issues, that makes that a lot easier. Um, Now, as you said earlier in the intro, when we spun off from Northrop Grumman, Northrop Grumman basically created that human capital strategy and the health and welfare strategy uh, for us. We were a part of that, but but they drove that. So what was interesting when we spun, a couple things were happening at the same time. So we spun from Northrop Grumman, so we had to create our own healthcare strategy. At the same time, the Affordable Care Act was passed and being implemented. And so what that did is for the very first time in my 32 years career as it relates to healthcare is this topic was being talked about in the boardroom. It was being talked about with our legislative officials and it was being talked about at the kitchen table. That was very, very unique. Um, but once HII decided that, that said that, okay, we are going to invest in healthcare and, and let me make that distinction. Uh, people always refer to it as healthcare benefits. And when you use that word, it has an implication that says, like vacation, I'm giving you something, the employee feels that that has value, and you get to do what you want with that. And healthcare, you can view it as very similar in the past. Here is a healthcare um, um, plans for you. Use it, don't use it. How you use it is really up to you. And we decided now that no, we cannot look at it as a benefit, it's more as an investment. And when you change that language, if you change the mindset from a leadership team from a benefit to an investment, the aperture just opens up so much wider for what you can and and, and want to do. So when we started this, we said, okay, so what really drives healthcare costs or your health status as an individual? And what we found from the CDC was fascinating. We found that 50% is directly traceable to your own behavior. 50% of your healthcare costs? Of your healthcare costs and your health status. It's just by your behaviors. Uh, 20% of it is driven by whether you not have access to health care. And if you do have access, is it quality care? 20% of it can be traced directly to the environment you live in. And 10% to your DNA. And when I saw that, I sat back and I said, wow. So 50% is behavior, 20% is access. As an employer, 
I can influence 70% of that. That's really where it began. You know, when we really kind of took back and says, okay, 70% of this can, can uh, uh, be something that we can control and, and investigate in. So from that, we started to build our healthcare strategy. I'm really now getting to, your, to the answer to your first question. So when we built the strategy of healthcare, we had wanted certain components to be included in that. We wanted employee accountability, hence why you now see dependent verifications and tobacco usage. We wanted to make sure employees still had choice. We did not want to create something where we would just replace something. That's why we still offer two healthcare plans. We introduced Teladoc and we introduced the family health centers. All choices, not one is replacing the other. So some employees use all three, some just use two, some maybe just use the one. We wanted to make sure that we stepped up our game on benefits literacy. You know, a lot of employees will notice a lot of the mailings that we send home, our Be Well newsletter, um, mailings at home, UPoint, our benefits online, uh, has an awful lot of educational tools, so you can see where we stepped up on that. We wanted to make sure our strategy included wellness. Hence, our whole push on flu shots every year, health risk assessments, get your annual physical, that was a component. And then clearly program improvements, where we've introduced health coaches and wellness coaches and nutritionists. And then finally, company leadership. We wanted to make sure that whatever we did, we built in a company leadership kind of accountability. Um, as, our, as Mike Petters, our CEO, likes to say, people really care about what their bosses care about. And so we do have 5,000 leaders and we needed them to be a part of this solution. They needed to talk about the importance of um, a healthier lifestyle and healthier behaviors and getting your annual physical. So that was the genesis. That is how we tackled this problem. Uh, we started that in 2013. So it's only been a few years, but I'll be honest with you, we've gotten some great results early on. So since that time, we've had 5,000 less emergency room visits. 5,000 less emergency room visits. That is huge. Forget the cost component. Just imagine what that's done for our employees and their dependents. We've had a reduction in tobacco usage. And from a cost standpoint for the employees, not the company, but for the employees, the employee's average cost has only increased in total. That's premiums, co-pays, deductibles, everything out of your pocket, only about 3.5% when the market has been about 6 to 7%. So there's been a financial benefit for the employees. There's clearly been less stress for them because they're living a healthier lifestyle and they're healthier. Um, so all of those components, like I said, it's early. It's only been a couple of years. This is the long game strategy because mm -hmm. healthcare is always a long game, but we're proud of the early results we got. You touched on some of this in what you were just talking about, but HII now has programs dedicated to employees' physical, financial, and emotional well-being. Why do you focus on those three elements? Well, for the same reason on why uh, we started to tackle healthcare, and this is all about the engagement of our employees. Uh, so when we say be well, what we're really talking about is a healthy mind, healthy body, healthy wallet. Those three components um, will either contribute or detriment someone's engagement at work, uh, whether you have financial stress, health stress, or emotional stress. So that's why we've kind of tackled this holistically of looking at all those three. So let's talk a bit about the financial offerings since employees have access to new re resources that they weren't available in the past. Uh, what drove the company to offer these new programs and why do you think they're so important? Okay, so from um, the, the financial side, we know that people that have financial stress are the least productive, they have the lowest performance ratings, um, they have um, a lower engagement, and more importantly, they have a delayed retirement timeline. And so when you look at financial wellness, 
most companies, and, and I was guilty of this, we mostly look at it as a retirement-ready problem. And so what I started to ask the question, um, if we took our population since 2008 and we kind of project how long would it take for them to retire from HII uh, based on their own contributions of their 401, based on how they invest, looking at Social Security, uh, look at how they invest the, the retirement access account, the money that we give them. How long, at what age would they be uh, when they could retire with just a 60% replacement value? That means when someone leaves, and if you're making $100,000, um, at what age would they attain to retire on $60,000? They would get $60,000 a year from all those sources. And what we found was 78% of our employees would retire with that 60% salary replacement value at age 70. 70. 70. That wasn't the real scary number because that's just a 60% replacement value. Um, the real scary number that woke me up was that only 46% of those employees would be able to retire at an 80% salary replacement value, and that's, what you, that's the benchmark that you want to attain, at age 80. Age 80. Half our employees would only be able to leave this place at age 80 with an 80% replacement. So as the chief human resource officer, I kind of look at that. That's a real workforce development problem. If you have a large part of your population that, although they have a desire to leave, but financially they can't. And so that's what started this journey about the, the, the financial well-being component of our strategy. And I really thought it was a retirement readiness. And when we peeled that onion even further, we found out, okay, so then why is it that they're not um, going to get that 60% or 80%? I really thought it was going to be, well, they're just not investing wisely. And there was some of that, but not a whole lot of that. Uh, the majority of it was basic lack of financial literacy. It was really hard to have a conversation with uh, an employer or anybody, for that matter, about retirement readiness uh, when they're struggling just week to week on daily finances. How to balance a budget? How do I get a car loan? Am I getting the right kind of car loan? Credit card debt. Just basic financial literacy we found that was severely lacking. So we said, okay, this is an area where we can invest. Again, it's not a benefit. The company wants to make these investments. And so that's why you see an awful lot of programs now on the financial wellness. We introduced, um, we partnered with a company called SmartPath. Um, SmartPath is exactly for this purpose. They come in personally and they have classes where they educate and are act as coaches. Uh, we did a pilot program at Ingalls. It was extremely successful. Uh, and so we now brought it up to Newport News. And um, so they've been here for the last couple months. So that's one thing. Another thing we did is, again, we went back to our partners and our providers with UPoint and our benefits website. And we now introduced a retirement model where people can actually do modeling. Uh, a lot of these employees found out that they didn't even realize that they were on a path that they were not going to be able to achieve when they thought that they were. So we wanted to make sure that they had the tools where they could do that, along with bringing in other assets that they have. Um, we also then uh, have a partnership with, again, with UPoint, where people can reach out and talk to their own financial advisor. And that's free to them. Uh, if you went out on your own and you contacted a wealth advisor, they're going to charge you a percentage of your assets to do that. Here's an ability that you can get on the phone and talk to someone from financial literacy or investment advice, and that's free to you. So again, just like healthcare, multiple ways to tackle this problem. There's not going to be a silver bullet where one will resolve it. But I think with all of these, hopefully we'll be able to move the needle. 
So we talked about this a little before, but one of the core tenants of HII's benefits and wellness strategy is the HII Family Health Center. What are some of the advantages that the health centers offer to employees and their dependents? Well, like I said, going back on an earlier question, one of the one of the issues that drives your own health status and your health care costs is access. And we know we demand an awful lot with our employees. I mean, we are the community. Uh, we like to say that, you know, we are your legal league coaches and the pastor associates and the PTAs and the school boards, and you're already putting 10 or 12 hours of time in your work. You're doing those things. You're doing everything but taking care of your own health. Why? Because it's not very convenient the way the healthcare community offers healthcare. It's hard, and, and we recognize that. So by tackling the access component, that's when we said, you know what, we are going to build our own family health centers that mimic pretty much what the healthcare community can offer, but it's solely dedicated to our employees and dependents. So you don't have to wait weeks at a time uh, to get an appointment. So then the question is, well, what are we gonna put in here? And I didn't want, we didn't want to really just compete with the healthcare community in the sense of, okay, if you have a broken arm, I can do it better than the people out in the community. That's not the case. Uh, and that's not what we designed it for. Yes, please come to the Family Health Center for those acute needs, because they'll be able to take care of you. But what we really wanted to do and what we designed was that behavioral modification if you needed it. So for example, if you come in and yes, you're coming in for that broken arm, yes, they're gonna take care of you, but they're gonna do a whole family workup history of you. And they're gonna realize that you probably, or you might have a history of diabetes. So let's talk about that. Um, they are not a fee-based um, replacement. And what I mean by that is typically when you see your physician, uh, they are paid for that service through your insurance. Um, our family health centers are not fee-based. So they, whether they spend five minutes with you, two hours with you, or they don't see anybody, they're still gonna receive their income. They are solely dedicated for us. So that's why you find wellness coaches and nutritionists and diabetic technicians all over there to help you with that problem and your dependents. Last November, HII expanded its Teladoc offering, which we talked a little bit about, to include behavioral health in addition to general medical. Uh, talk a little about that program and why emotional well-being plays a role in our lives. Well, like I said, that Be Well is that triangle of healthy mind, healthy body, healthy, wyatt, healthy wallet. Um, and so it, it's, it's not news to anybody that's listening to this podcast that emotional stress is a huge, huge problem. Uh, opioid usage is a big problem in this community, and that creates its own mental health and emotional issues with families. And so, like healthcare, we were looking at, well, where are our employees and dependents getting help for this? And we saw that there was a lack of expertise and a lack of availability for our employees to really reach out. So, we reached out to our partner, Teladoc, and said, what is it that you can do to help us in this situation? So just like now when you call Teladoc and you get a board certified physician to talk about a particular health issue, uh, now you can reach out to a certified mental health provider and walk you through those issues. Um, we've also expanded uh, and we will be expanding in our family health centers full-time EAP counselors. So again, to break that access code because especially with mental health, time is of the essence. They really can't wait weeks at a time to get an appointment if there is a crisis going on with either yourself or a family member. So and that's why we did it. And sometimes it does take like up to six weeks. It can be. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. It's a profession that there's not a lot of um, physicians that take. So it's a supply and demand problem. 
uh, in this country. You see it every newscast. You know, the supply is just getting larger and larger. I mean, the demand is getting larger and larger. And there's just not that many professionals and clinicians that can help this. So looking ahead, where do you see our benefits and wellness strategy in 10 years? And does this strategy evolve with the new generation of employees that we're bringing in? Yeah, it just just like our healthcare strategy, which is again a part of our human capital strategy, has evolved over the 30 years I've been doing this. It will evolve 10 years from today, 20 years from now today. And so you really got to ask the question: What is the workforce of the 2030-2040? Demographics definitely shift, but they've always shifted. That's not new, to be honest with you. But digital technology and artificial intelligence how does that play into this the employment social contract that's probably going to change uh, all employers um, you, you've heard this terminology or if you haven't it's called the gig economy uh, a lot of employees will not be tied to a particular employer they're just going to want to go from company to company it's called a, the gig economy so how does that come into play um, and finally the regulatory environment meaning the employment law the regulatory environment it's been over 30 years since the last time Congress has actually passed federal legislation dealing with employment law. So imagine how much technology has changed in the last 30 years and the laws have not kept up with that. So I think those four things uh, in 10 years from now are really gonna dramatically change uh, employers. And so how do we respond to that? And healthcare is just one component, but we've laid the foundation where we can be very agile and we can pretty much uh, shift where we need to to make sure that, again, the ultimate goal is how does our employees uh, have the best opportunity to do their best work every single day? So are you looking forward to the future and what we have? Good. All right. Well, it sounds like we have a lot to look forward to in the world of health and benefits. So thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to HII Talking Points. This podcast was produced by Huntington Ingalls Industries Corporate Communications Team. We welcome your feedback and ideas for future podcasts at www.huntingtoningles.com slash podcast.